my fellow investors, welcome back to another episode of the Newcomer Investor Channel, where we talk about stocks, share insights, and debate. Hope you're having an amazing time. At the time of recording, I have just finished a conversation with Investment Kage. He is awesome. Such a smart guy. I'm really, really excited for you to listen to this conversation. We talked about great companies, American companies like Starbucks, Apple, Kroger, Costco. So it was a great learning session for me. And I also look forward to having an episode with One Penny at a Time podcast coming soon. As a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, I do urge you to give us a five-star rating on Spotify or on Apple Music. Uh, and also subscribe to the YouTube. And of course, I must remind you, my friends, nothing I say is financial advice. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what I do. But I've made lots of mistakes in the past, and I will continue to make mistakes as I keep improving in my learning journey of investing. So always do your own research. There have been changes made in my portfolio, and I'm very excited to share them with you in this format two stocks to buy in July. Now, of course, this doesn't mean you have to buy them. It just means, you know, it's maybe worth having them on your watch list. Uh, and, you know, I'm outlined the details as to why they may be an interesting buy, but I have purchased personally these two stocks in my portfolio. The first stock to buy in July is TELUS. My friends, if you didn't know, TELUS is one of the big three telecom companies here in Canada. They form this cartel along with Bell and Rogers that my favorite Quebecor is trying to break slowly. We'll see how that goes. But yes, TELUS is a beloved stock and company. They are based out in the west in the beautiful province of British Columbia. Now, if you've been following the news, you'll see the stock has been under tremendous pressure recently. Uh, and it actually came to a pretty extreme level. Now, what the hell is going on? In my opinion, there are a few reasons for their current troubles. Problem number one, rising interest rates. My friends, if interest rates go up, this makes boring dividend stocks a lot less attractive for investors. Remember, in a low interest rate environment, your only way of getting a 5-6% to steady annual income is to buy companies like TELUS, which have a boring 5-6% to dividend, right? But... In a high interest environment, why would anyone buy a stock that fluctuates in value and pays you that 5% dividend when you can just put your money in the bank and get a 5% interest for free? I mean, risk-free. <laughs> right now, one of my bank accounts has a special deal. I can get 5.25%, again, with zero risk. So this puts pressure on these stocks like TELUS, which offer the same thing, but with added risk. Why would people do that? There's no reason to, right? Problem number two, debt and capital expenditure requirements. My friends, the telco space is the type of space where these companies have to spend so much money to upgrade their networks, and usually they take on debt to do that, right? They're full of it. Now, a big criticism I've often made about Bell & Telus is they pay a large portion of their cash flows as dividends, meaning they have very little room to reinvest their cash. That's why they take on that debt. That type of business profile is also less attractive in difficult moments like right now. The third element that compounded the issue and resulted in a more serious drop was a company that I wasn't too familiar with until recently called Telus International. It is a company that Telus has spun off 
though TELUS remains the controlling shareholder, and TELUS's CEO also chairs the TELUS International Board. Now, what is this company? If you look at their website, they have a ton of buzzwords about technology and data and AI and, you know, data solutions and all those exciting things that we all like these days, but no one seems to understand what they are. <laughs> now, without having done the deep research, I will say it basically seems like all the technology projects that may have been kind of related or not even related to TELUS, instead of TELUS just keeping it for themselves, they just threw all of that into the subsidiary and then spun them off. So TELUS shareholders basically can have the regular boring telecom stuff, and then there's a bit of potential upside with those AI solutions and technology things that this TELUS International company is doing. Okay, now to put it broadly, TELUS International, we'll call them TI for short, TI announced an update to their annual outlook and it was a negative one. Due to these severe global pressures, they are experiencing a reduction in demand due to all their clients aggressively addressing their cost structures. TI is doing the same. They are also looking to reduce costs. Now, because TELUS is the controlling shareholder, then of course this also affects them as well. So they reduced their annual revenue guidance for the year. I personally believe this is very unfortunate for TELUS in the short term, but let's be honest my friends, I've no doubt in my mind that overall TELUS will be okay in the long term, and so that is why I decided to re-enter the stock. Not that we should always trust analysts, but it seems like most analysts agree that it is undervalued at the current price. I saw um, with Quest Trade, I get those Morningstar ratings, I see it's rated at 5 stars, which is the most extreme level of undervaluation that you could have. Um, I also, you know, all my shares now, I'm at $24.16 in terms of average price. Uh, if you look at the all-time high, which is 33-something or 34-something, that's an almost 40% upside now back to all-time highs. At its average price, this is pretty much a 6% dividend yield locked in with some annual dividend growth. You know, I'm expecting maybe 5 a little more than 5% moving forward. I don't think they will cut the dividend. I would like them to get some of their stuff under control, but I think that will come over time. So I'm not too concerned with that. But yeah, overall, I'm quite satisfied. You know, it's not always easy to find value, but this is one of the ones where I will say, to me, it seems like kind of an obvious pick for value investors who are okay to hold something for the long term. I'm talking more than five years who are really willing to be underwater for a bit, but collect those dividends and then see the value of their capital gains once again move up over time. I think TELUS is a good pick now. Now this purchase was not made out of fresh cash, it was actually made with a bit of a switch I did. I'd been considering doing something like this for a while, as I've been seeing Power Corporation stock move up slowly over time. And I thought, let us take a bit of capital gains on this and then reinvest it in another similar type of stock. So we're rotating here, right? We're taking from one stable boring stock that went up taking that capital gain and putting it into another stable boring stock that is down. That is kind of how I conceptualize my portfolio at least. If you remember my strategy, right, I have the long-term compounders, then I have the cash flow machines, and then I have the opportunistic buys. In this case, TELUS and Power are both cash flow machines. These are not stocks that I expect to have incredible, huge 100% capital gain returns or anything like that, but rather they pay me good sol solid dividends. So if I have one that seems to have a good capital gain, I'm very happy to cut that down a little and then reinvest it into another that is struggling. 
So that's kind of what we did here. And again, I'm quite satisfied with this move. So now Power Corporation falls from 5th to 7th largest position. So it's still fairly large at 4.3% of portfolio. And TELUS enters the chat at uh, position number 18 at 2.04% of portfolio. Now the second pick perhaps is a little more surprising. Actually, it certainly is going to be surprising given that I keep saying, you know, I want to be a value investor. I want to buy when the price is right. And here I am buying into a stock at all-time highs. Yes, my friends, this stock is Alimentation Couchetard. My biggest mistake perhaps in investing. I used to own the stock for a short-term trade after this deal that didn't go through to purchase a French firm. I believe I bought it. It was, what, $38 or something like that. It fell, and now it's up, like, what, 100% or 75% since then. This time, I am in for the long run. Now, why did I choose to buy in now? Uh, two reasons. The first is, I haven't really loaded up the track, as people say. It's a starter position, very, very small, less than 1% of portfolio, but it is a position that I plan to scale into. If the price falls, I will certainly buy more. But for now, I'm just going to try to be consistent and buy a little bit every time I get a chance. It trades at a PE roughly around 16, which is very, very reasonable for such a strong and consistent business. So I'm actually okay buying into it, even though we are at all-time highs. Now, what is this company exactly? If you don't know it at all, you could actually check out my episode with the Dividend Guy. He is a huge fan of this company, talks about it quite a bit. And we had a whole section in that episode with him where he talked about this stock. But basically, it is a convenience store company. It is actually the second largest in the world. Uh, they are Canadian, but they are huge in the US, growing in Europe and Asia, and really a, a giant in the industry. Historically, they've grown by acquisition. They've done this very well through a pretty disciplined capital allocation program. But moving forward, they are planning to have more of that growth come organically instead. Their results have been absolutely insane. Uh, they are recession-proof. They've grown in the dot-com bubble, in the Great Recession, and even during COVID. No problem. They've been very, very consistent at converting all their revenues into free cash flow, which they then can use for acquisitions or, of course, to buy back stock. So they bought back, what was it? I think it was $2 billion. Yeah, 52 million shares, which is $2.3 billion worth of stock during fiscal 2023. So those are really impressive numbers that they've had constantly for the last 10, 15, 20 years. So as I keep moving forward in my investing journey, you know, I want to keep on buying more and more of these companies that are truly the best companies. And I have no doubt, if you take a look at this company, you'll realize it is literally one of the best companies in the world. The way they've consistently grown, very consistent capital allocation and fiscal discipline. It's I don't have the words to explain how great they are. And that has translated in fantastic stock appreciation over time. The dividend is tiny, but the dividend growth is great. And the total return has been amazing. So to me, this stock fits very well into this long-term compounder list. Very similar to other favorites of mine like Brookfield or like EQB. It belongs over there, and I need to scale this position. I would really like to make it a top 10, even top 5 position. Again, I'm going to add opportunistically. We'll see what happens with the stock, but uh, this is a great position and one that I would like to hold for a very long time. Now, the only question mark I have on this company 
is the transition to electric vehicles. Obviously, they are a convenience store company. They sell fuel. That's not the only thing they sell, but it is a big part of their business mix. So it has me wondering a little, you know, how is that going to impact uh, their, their revenues and their profits? Now, I have felt better by looking at um, the Scandinavian countries, which for now are the leaders in terms of the, the percentage of people who actually drive electric vehicles. It's quite a bit. And looking at their operations... Uh, in the Scandinavian countries, we can see that it hasn't really been bad for them at all. People will stop there, charge their cars, and while they're charging, they gotta go and get some crisps or get a drink or get something, you know? So, so far the results seem encouraging. The leadership so far says it leads to positive incremental impact uh, and increased engagement of their customers. So, let's see what happens, but for now it seems quite encouraging. Moving on, a new topic, a company I've actually never, ever spoken about on this podcast. I've admired them from far away, but never owned the stock. Blackstone has just reported earnings. Now, if you don't know, Blackstone, not BlackRock, it's a different company. Blackstone is the world's largest alternative investments manager. Yes, it's the only one that is larger than Brookfield. And that's why I care about them. Blackstone just hit $1 trillion in assets under management. For reference, Brookfield's around 800 and something, so not too far apart. So anyway, a couple of interesting points that I noted from the Blackstone earnings. Firstly, their distributable earnings are a whopping 40% down. That's 4-0. Now, if we rewind and look at what goes into distributable earnings. So one part is the actual fees that come from managing the assets. The other is actually the distribution from the business itself. And then the third is the realized profits from when you sell. And so if you look a little deeper into those Blackstone earnings, you realize a big uh, contributor to the decline in the distributable earnings is just that they haven't really been selling assets anymore, especially the real estate ones. Now, the president, John Gray, spoke about this a little more in the earnings call, where he basically said, Today, the area we're most active in is European real estate, particularly in log logistics, because the sentiment around real estate is so negative. I think we're in a moment where everybody is extrapolating what's happening in office buildings, becoming incredibly negative about the real estate sector. But that's going to create some real opportunities. So all of that is really interesting, because while all we see online... On Twitter is real estate, commercial real estate, it's over, everything's bad. Some of these alternative investments people are actually excited at how much opportunity there is now to buy some of those assets rather than selling them, right? So if you recall the episode Understanding the Mind of Bruce Flatt, uh, you know, he talked about this, where when the markets turn, you have to be in a position where you actually like the assets that you own and you can just hold on to them, get paid those distributions and wait for things to get better. At that point in time, you need to have money and be able to buy even more stuff so that you can buy low and sell high. And that's exactly kind of what's going on right now. So Blackstone has almost $200 billion available to buy more assets, and they are just looking at more, more things they can buy. Uh, as at last quarterly earnings, I'm pretty sure Brookfield was around $125 billion also in cash. So you get the idea. So I think it's reasonable to expect a similar kind of commentary from Brookfield when they do report their earnings. Uh, reminder, of course, that Blackstone can be compared more to Brookfield Asset Management rather than a corporation. But overall, these are the two strongest players in that space. Of course, not financial advice, but in my opinion, there's very little risk that either of them are going to disappear. If anything, more and more money keeps piling into the alternative investment space. Uh, it's becoming a bigger part of the investment mix for a lot of these sovereign wealth funds and 
pension funds and, and all that. So yeah, I think long-term fundamentals are good. Right now, they have an opportunity to just keep snapping up more assets and growing their assets under management. So I am excited to see Brookfield hit that $1 trillion mark, maybe next year or in a couple of years. Anyhow, my friends, that's all I wanted to talk about for today. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Newcomer Investor channel, and I look forward to connecting again with you soon.